Jewish views on loneliness. This Rosh Hashanah, find out how you could make a difference to an older person's life. We go together. Daniela Pears from Mitzvah Day on why she's helping single Jews find love. And singer Natalie Taylor Gray tells us why she is raising awareness for World Lymphoma Day with her latest single. But first, with a roundup of the Jewish news this week, I'm Vivian Krieger. An eight-year-old Jewish boy in Stamford Hill who was on his way home from school needed hospital treatment after he was viciously assaulted by a man who came up behind him, pushed him against a wall and punched him in the chest. The child ran home but was so traumatised he couldn't speak for hours after the incident. The police believe that two people who apparently chased away the suspect in Dunsmuir Road could help them with their inquiries. In Brighton, more than 200 guests had to leave a Jewish wedding ceremony following a hoax bomb scare. Gabby Rosehill and her husband Dan were under the chuppah in the Grand Hotel when the alarm sounded and police and bomb disposal squads cornered off the venue. After refuge was taken in the Hilton Hotel, they managed to complete their vows in a makeshift ceremony. The couple and their relatives and friends were eventually allowed back into the Grand just after nine o'clock. In Israel, a 15-year-old Palestinian boy was found to be concealing a knife under his shirt near a checkpoint in Hebron. When challenged, he attempted to pull it on police officers. He was arrested and taken for questioning. There have been two other similar incidents in the past week. Argentina has handed over almost 140,000 Holocaust-era documents to Israel. The papers, which have been turned into digital copies, were given to Benjamin Netanyahu by the country's president, Mauricio Macri. Many of them clarify the help that Argentina provided to Nazi criminals after the war, where many took refuge. One of the most notorious, Adolf Eichmann, was captured in Buenos Aires in 1960. And finally, the filmmaker J.J. Abrams will return to a galaxy far, far away to direct Star Wars Episode Nine, which he will also co-write. Abrams delivered a huge box office success with Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, back in 2015. That's the news. We're moving on to the sport now with Andrew. Thank you very much, Viv. Karina Kaufman will fulfil a lifelong dream this weekend when she represents Team GB at the World Sprint Triathlon Championships in Amsterdam. The mother of four from East Finchley said, I'm so excited, I'm immensely proud and can't wait to wear my GB trisuit. Elsewhere, Eli Cohen has quit his role as an advisor for Israeli football club Beitar Jerusalem after refusing to apologise for saying he would never sign a Muslim player. Saying he wouldn't sanction a signing because he was a realistic person, Cohen claimed he wasn't a racist and pointed to how he had signed several Muslim players in the past for other Israeli clubs. And staying in Israel, next year's Giro d'Italia cycling race will begin in the country, the first time any leg of the sport's Grand Tours will take place outside of Europe. Daniel Bednaim, CEO and owner of Comtech Group, the Giro's Israeli production company, said, This is a hugely exciting moment for cycling and for Israel. An event of this magnitude is something that the country will always remember. You can read the full interview with Karina and catch up on all the latest Jewish sports at jewishnews.co.uk. 
Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Hello there and welcome to this edition of The Jewish Views. I'm Phil Dave. Let's start off, as we always do, with a look through your copy of a rather bumper Jewish news for this week. Joining me to go through it is editor Richard Ferrer and supplements editor Bridget Grant. Welcome to you both. Now, Richard, as I say, that there is rather a lot of the Jewish news this week, so we'll do it as a game of two halves, shall we? We'll have a look at the paper and then we'll look at the enormous supplements that also accompanies the paper in just a moment. And on the front page this week, our elderly, alone and forgotten, charity warns of shocking isolation levels in community. Yeah, it's a biggest ever issue in uh, 1,020 of them. So please do pick up a copy this weekend. But yeah, back onto the front page. But don't do your back in though. When you pick up the copy. Well, you'll need someone or a wheelbarrow, I think, to pick this one up. It makes the Sunday Times look like a pamphlet this week. (laughs) Um, Yes, our elderly, alone and forgotten. I think as a Jewish community, we are rightly proud of our family values, our educational standards, care for the elderly. But I think this is going to provide a a little bit of a wake-up call. We've been working with Jewish Care this week, who have warned exclusively through the Jewish News of the levels of isolation through the community. As a general rule, the national level is something like 42% of elderly people People don't have the support, the network, the volunteering, the assistance that they require, which is almost half. There isn't a statistic for the Jewish community, but I imagine it's it's probably something quite similar. I mean, we are a great voluntary community. We do a lot of amazing work, Jewish voluntary network, Jewish care themselves. The Yoni Jesner Foundation, we mark his 15th anniversary of his, his tragic death this week as well. So we do a lot of amazing work, a lot of great work, but clearly there's a huge area here that's being let down and being forgotten. And we don't need to go too much into detail in the paper review because we are going to feature it quite a lot throughout this programme. We're going to be speaking later on to Elisa Wimborn from Jewish Care, who will be telling us more about their concerns. But Bridget, there is something a little bit disturbing about a community that allegedly is so family orientated and yet somehow we seem to be neglecting a generation, if neglect's not too strong a word. I think that and I may be so bold as to say this, that this current... I mean, I'm part of the sandwich generation, looking after an elderly parent and a, a young child. I think that what's happened is that there's a generation of people who, some of whom are slipping away from their responsibilities. They don't mind dropping people off at day centres. They don't mind having them round for every other Friday night dinner. But in terms of going off on holiday for three weeks in the summer or not being around when they're needed to be around, I think people are shirking their responsibilities and I see it all the time. And there is a tendency to kind of put old your older relatives on a back burner. But I, want, I want to put it to you like this, Bridget. Do you think it's a case of shirking responsibility or do you think that we live in a much busier world now where unfortunately people need to prop up an awful lot more columns than they used to have to and therefore suddenly that they don't have time to do everything so it might not be shirking responsibility yeah i think shirking is probably putting too fine a point on it i mean it is a a thankless task to be that selfless to put yourself second or third or fourth or fifth if you've got a big family and you've got grandparents and and elderly relatives of course these people need our support they need the network around them and and they're lucky that they are in a Jewish community that, that puts the hearth and the home and the synagogue at the front of everything that we do we are a community that has a network and it seems like there is the the elements the ingredients in place to actually help these people and Jewish care is a remarkable charity that does 
does a lot of amazing work without the government support that it perhaps deserves. So it's it's down, I think, to some of the maybe the bigger benefactors to put their hands in their pockets and for the younger people to be inspired, I think, to, to lend a hand. Yoni Jesner's mum, Marsha, who we've spoken to this week, she has said that volunteering is just not a very, and she used the word sexy word for young people. Volunteering is not seen as something that's very attractive. So maybe people like Laura Marks at Mitzvah Day and uh, Leonie Lewis at JVN. I think a lot of it falls on, on their shoulders and they're doing a lot of great work, but but there's so much more to be done. Well, we'll find out a little more about this subject later on, like I said, throughout this programme. It's also going to be the subject for our schmooze discussion. But let's look at one of the other stories making the paper this week. Page seven, reward a talented teacher. The Jewish School Awards are back. They are. Third annual Jewish School Awards in association with Partnerships for Jewish School and the Emmis Foundation. Who was your most inspiring teacher, Bridget? You know, the, the one that lit your imagination. My classics teacher at senior school, a Dutch lady called Mrs. Van der Vettering, who I was sort of secretly in love with. Right. I did classics A-level with her. Wow. And she set your imagination free. Absolutely. I wanted to be a Roman. Yeah. For me, <laughs> for me uh, at Sinai School in 1989, it was, it was Mr. Leader, who I, I now know is his first name is Jeffrey, but I only knew that a few years ago. And he kind of inspired my love of English, made me captain of the cricket team and just coaxed a shy little 10-year-old and turned him hopefully into, into a, a confident and an ambitious person. So thank you, Mr. Leader, or Jeffrey, if I may be yes, so bold. may we all thank Mr. Leader. <laughs> uh, Phil, who's your favourite teacher? I, I think mine was Miss Robinson. She was the dinner lady. Okay. <laughs> okay. What... So, so what I'm trying to say is these people would be nominated had we been students today, they will be nominated for the, the, the 2018 Jewish School Awards. It's the third year. It's running next year in February at JW3. Nominations are now open to, to reward a teacher that you feel inspires you or your children. If you go to our website, you can have your say and hopefully bring them some success. Terrific. Well, I promised this was going to be a paper review of two halves. Let's have a look now at the rather mammoth supplements that comes with the Jewish news for this week. And it is very simply headed Rosh Hashanah and of course that is the name of the supplement Bridget what on earth have you managed to put in a whopping 52 pages <laughs> it, it's it's just exhaustingly fabulous I think the Rosh Hashanah supplement and you will notice that it has got a one on one bandit on the front which which may be a bit kind of contentious mm. but on the other hand we it's, it's my way of saying have a lucky have a lucky lucky new year my favourite thing is it opens with this quiz it's called the atonement quiz and it basically determines whether or not you are a honey or a bad apple you see mm. by answering questions such as i haven't seen these by the way so am i going to be quizzed well on i this? know you're a honey phil for a oh, fact that's rich. but let's just see if i am actually correct give him a question well, well give it right your cousin has invited you to break the fast at his house but his wife is a terrible cook do you a accept graciously it's the gesture that counts and you can always stop for a bagel on the way home b accept but only on the condition that you bring along a starter a main and dessert just as a thank you or c ask if it's being catered and then decline when he says it's not i'll be hungry 
by a curious coincidence, no, I'm joking. Uh, no, I actually have been invited, would you believe, to my cousin for breaking the fast. However, I can't really put this into some sort of sense of context because my cousin Tanya, cousin's wife, is a fantastic cook. So it's very, very difficult. And but she'll I be listening would to imagine, this probably. So you're just <laughs> she won't be silly. She really won't be. But I would imagine I would probably go along and just put up and shut up. Truly, I would. Yeah. A. You'd go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and get Ellie on the way home. Nice. He's a mensch. Yeah. Uh. But their stories go on, so you get asked, you know, very, very complex questions like, does if your rabbi asks you to dress as a lotion pudding for a charity fun run, would you? And then it gives you the choices. So I think it's enormous fun, and I love it. And it's a nice way. It's followed on by what people are repenting for, in fact. We asked a cross-section of people what they think they should be repenting for, one of which, and, and you were confused, confused by this Richard but Stephen Burkoff my playwright friend was asked I said what will you be repenting for and he said in short knowing idiots wow okay well there you go <laughs> right, but I part- could repent for that I suppose <laughs> but, but you part- do know if someone did ask you to dress as a lotion pudding yeah that's very current Okay. Uh, But there's loads in there. There's fashion and there's food, lovely recipes. And then my particular favourite is that we decided to see how Israelis celebrate Rosh Hashanah and we wanted a cross-section. So it's a real celebration of their cross-sectionness because we've got a fabulous gay couple and their two children, two little girls. And we've got a gay couple that live in Elat who like to cycle on Yom Kippur. Then we also flip over to the Haredi community's preparations for the holidays in Stamford Hill. It is an absolute feast, isn't it, Richard? Mm, of a, fabulousness. Yeah, yep, it is. As I said, you'll need a wheelbarrow and about three weeks to read it all. Well, that particular feature that you were speaking about just now in terms of how Israel celebrates Rosh Hashanah can be found on RH32. That's the page for the Rosh Hashanah supplement. Thank you both very much indeed. That's all the time we've got for to go through the paper and the supplement for this week but don't forget that you can pick up your free copy of this mammoth paper every thursday across london or you can always read the e-version online at jewishnews.co.uk now as you've been hearing jewish care this week warned that a severe shortage of volunteers is failing elderly and lonely jewish people in an urgent call for help over rosh hashanah In particular, their befriending and Meals on Wheels services appear to be struggling with rising demands. And so to find out more about this, I've been speaking to Lisa Wimborne, Head of External Affairs at Jewish Care. I started by asking Lisa to tell us exactly what Jewish Care's concerns are. Jewish Care are finding it increasingly difficult to meet the demand for befriending volunteers and Meals on Wheels volunteers across the community. Is there any particular reason that Jewish Care has discovered this to be the case? What are the reasons why that this has come up? It's probably twofold, really. Firstly, clearly, there are more and more people living longer and more and more people living alone in their own homes. So the demand on services like Meals on Wheels and also on befriending, there's more people who are living by themselves at home for longer and they want company. The second reason may be could relate to the fact that the younger generation are probably a bit less likely to be volunteering. Maybe there's a a negative or a stigma attached to volunteering. Maybe it's about the fact that we all live much busier lives. Everyone's much more hectic than they were maybe a, a generation or two ago. And 
there's an impact and it's having an impact on the community and we as a community need to get back into the mindset that maybe our parents or grandparents generation had where we really do look out for everyone across the community and find that extra bit of time that maybe we don't think we have in our diaries for others who need us. There's this term loneliness that has seemed to have cropped up in and amongst this particular story. What would you say that, I know this might sound a bit of a strange question because one could just go and look in the dictionary, but what would you say the definition of loneliness is? We have people that contact us who maybe don't see anyone from one week to the next. They're in their home all day long, every day. And it is lonely, looking, staring at four walls, watching the television, not having people around you to have conversations with. And it's not an unusual situation to be in. More and more people have family who live away from them, possibly abroad. We have lots of clients who don't have any family members at all. It's a lonely existence and they tell us that they feel lonely, they feel isolated. It's quite hard to fathom that really, isn't it? Because the majority of people live, as you rightly identified before, such busy lives, constantly coming into contact with people. But if you're actually talking about not having seen another human being from one week to the next, it does seem quite hard to visualise that somehow. It's just how horrendous that must be. It's not a situation that's unique to our community. If you pick up the papers, you'll see regular articles about the increase of loneliness. And it's not just an issue actually for older people, although obviously as Jewish care, most of our clients are older people. We're not exempt from the statistics. And if you look at reports and things, there's some shocking figures out there about older people talking about the TV being the only company they see from one week to the next, possibly not leaving their home for weeks or months on end because they don't have the support to be able to help them to do so. And it's something that obviously we are a caring community. We always have been a caring community. We pride ourselves in that. And we have lots of people in the community who do look out for others, but we need more. But we're also a community that prides ourselves on being very family orientated. So it's quite hard to believe that we out of so many communities could be that neglectful, if that's not too strong a word, of our elderly. Firstly, there are people in the community that don't have family. There are older people who are living alone. I can think of clients where I've been out and about and met who simply don't have any family at all. And there are others that do have family. Maybe the family live abroad. Maybe the family come visit them once a week. But if you think about it, if you're at home all day, every day, and your family members manage to get to you once a week, what about the other six days in a week? And sometimes also people come to us because they'd like someone other than their family to come into contact with. A friend, someone that they can maybe play chess with, read books with, do something different with and have a different relationship than they could have with their own family. Well, let's hope it's not all doom and gloom. How do we combat this? What should we be doing differently? What we're looking for is people to come forward to come and be a befriender, come and spend an hour a week with someone different, someone of another generation. Actually, what people are often surprised about is what a wonderful relationship you can form and the real benefits, not just for the befriendee, but for the befriender as well. In this week's Jewish News, there's an article from a young girl, Amanda, who offered to be a befriender. And the experience that she's had over the last few years that's really enriched her lives and made a real difference for her life. And she's calling on other young people or other people across the community to do the same. I actually saw firsthand in last week's programme, some people may recall that I visited the new Apples and Honey Nursery School that's in the grounds 
of the Nightingale Care Home in South London. And I actually saw firsthand just what a difference it makes for the youngest generation to interact with the oldest generation. And the looks on both of their respective faces was a real treat to actually witness because you could see that just by being in the same room, they actually got something from it. Do you think that there's enough to promote cross-generational activities, cross-generational interaction? Across Jewish care, we do a lot of work bringing in school children, nursery children into our care homes, into our day centres. It's not unusual to come and see a, a school group singing or baking honey cakes that we've had this week with Jewish care clients. So there is a lot that happens. We have a music group that's run across a couple of our care homes with toddlers and residents. Obviously, there's always more we can do. And actually, I think, you know, for some members of the community, this idea of families befriending individuals could work quite well. You know, a mum at home with her children that goes out to visit once a week someone in the community who does like children, who would love to see other generations coming into their home is a really nice idea and a nice thing to take on board. What kind of reaction do you get when you do do your own cross-generational work here at Jewish Care? The benefits of activities with young and old are obvious when you look at them and you see them. Look, Not all older people like being with younger people, but generally there's that sense of normality, that sense of being part of a community where people of different generations do naturally mix and there's something that both the young and old can offer each other. And actually, in one of our music groups, there's been a really lovely little friendship form between a toddler and one of our care home residents who really looks forward to every week seeing her come along and, and connecting with her in the same way sometimes that a grandparent and a, and a grandchild would. Seems something very poignant about discussing this around about the time of Rosh Hashanah, because obviously at New Year, the High Holy Days is a great time that people spend if they have with family and it's now more than ever that this seems quite relevant somehow. We usually see around this time of year a spike in calls to our helpline for people who are feeling particularly lonely and isolated and as a community this is our time of the year to reflect on the year, on the year that's gone by and to think about the year coming forward and we hope that people will have a think about those around them and maybe pick the phone up and think about becoming a Meals on Wheels volunteer or befriending or doing something in the community that maybe they wouldn't have thought about last year. And with regards to Meals on Wheels that you mentioned, specifically what does that entail? So Jewish Care run a number of Meals on Wheels services across London and the South. In Redbridge we run a five day a week hot kosher meals on wheels service where we deliver meals to people around lunchtime. So in Redbridge we're looking for volunteers who could come and pick some meals up from the community centre and deliver them at around 11.30 on a Monday to Friday. You could maybe do it once a week, once every other week, you could go on a rota, you could help out when we're short of volunteers but we have a crucial shortage in Redbridge of volunteers and we're really struggling to meet the demand. And do they actually cook the meals themselves, those drivers? No, no, no. The, the meals are cooked in the community centre by Jewish Care. We need delivery drivers to come and pick the meals up and deliver them to isolated, lonely, vulnerable people across the community. And for many, these meals are a lifeline. They're the only hot meals that they have 
during their week. And it's essential that we get out to them and we get to deliver them. In South End, we have a Mills on Wheels service where we're really struggling for drivers on a Friday in particular. And at the moment, we've got a member of staff who's going out delivering Friday night dinners to people in the community. We could do with some more volunteers. So if there's any volunteers out there in the South End area and in the Barnet, Golders Green, Hendon area, we have a frozen kosher Mills on Wheels service. Barnet recently closed down their Mills on Wheels service and Jewish Care decided to take it over to ensure that people were getting the meals that they needed. But because this is a frozen meals and wheels service, there's real flexibility for volunteers. You come and pick the meals up from Golders Green at a day of the week that suits you and deliver them at a time that suits you too. So any volunteers that are in the Stanmore, Barnet, Golders Green, Southgate, Enfield areas, again, we're in desperate need for volunteers for the meals and wheels service. This is a lifeline to people. And we want to keep it going. If someone listening does want to do just that, how do they go about it? So, if you're interested in becoming a befriender or a Meals on Wheels driver, you can call the Jewish Care Volunteers team on 0208 922 2405 or you can email volunteer at Lisa Wimborne, Head of External Affairs at Jewish Care, talking to me there and expressing her organisation's concerns over the way the community responds to the needs of the elderly and the lonely. For more information, then you can go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. You're listening to The Jewish Views in association with The Jewish News. And still to come on this edition, Clive Roslin will be here for our Jewish schmooze. Today, Clive and Tony will be joined by community volunteer Andy Lucas and trustee of Max's Foundation, Louise Roby. They'll be discussing loneliness in the community based on what you've just been hearing. Also, Diana Toman will be speaking to singer Natalie Taylor-Gray about her latest single, Believe in Me, which she'll be releasing in a bid to raise awareness for World Lymphoma Day. But first, move out of the way, J-Date. Step to one side, J-Swipe. There is a new service in town. It's called We Go Together. And our arts editor, Kate Fulton, is finding out more about it for us by speaking to one of its founders. Kate... That's right, Phil. I'm actually sitting here with Daniela Pears, who, together with a committee, has started We Go Together. What made you set it up? I've been a trustee of MITS for Day for almost a decade now. And essentially, it was the thought of how many people have asked me, who do I know for a single woman? As in, which other guy do I know for a single woman? And I don't know many single men. I've been married almost 25 years next year and I don't know single men. And I'm thinking to myself, what can I do to potentially go out and find single men? I had one idea and the one idea was that to locate single men, there's a chance if they're not regular synagogue goers that on the high holy days, if they are going to go to shul, they might turn up in shul. And if I could get the rabbonim and the synagogue chairs to agree to put a flyer on the men's seats, on all the men's seats only, that actually asks, are you a single man or do you know someone who is? Then we can offer them a free matchmaking opportunity. Why men? Why is it that people would come to you and say, do you know single men rather than single girls for their sons? And there must be an equal number. Not as far as I'm concerned or the number of people that approach me only asking, do I know single men? Do you think girls are more likely to come forward and say, you know, I really quite fancy meeting someone, maybe boys are a bit less... I've only been approached by 
essentially girlfriends, women that I know, close friends of mine and people that I know, asking me who I know for a friend of theirs. I've never been asked by a man, do I know a single lady? It's only been numerous requests over the last number of years. Do I know a nice guy for this great lady? And what was the feedback from the Rabonin that you approached? What did they say? Well, number one was Chief Rabbi Mervis. I thought he was the very first person that I discussed it with at a charity event the evening I had the idea. And he said to me, which comes back to the mitzvah, that matchmaking, finding a partner for a person is the biggest mitzvah you can do. So that's all I needed for his blessing. And I thought putting the projects on is what Mitzvah Day does anyway. You may know we've got Mitzvah Day on Sunday, November the 19th. And what we're also doing is I'm bringing the We Go Together Mitzvah Day together by offering on our We Go Together website an opportunity to do Mitzvah Day for singles. So for each age group of single people, we're offering them the possibility of doing social action for singles, a project where you can meet other like-minded people who are helping people in need. Going back to the We Go Together, how will it work? First day Rosh Hashanah, I've had 8,000 flyers printed by Kishoron Printers and these lovely bright flyers are going to go on every single men's seat of all the participating synagogues across the modern Orthodox synagogues from Borehamwood through to St. Petersburg Place, New West London Synagogue. Not all synagogues, but where we've got committee members who know people in the synagogues. And the flight will be on the man's seat. He will be sitting during the service. And at one point or another, hopefully, we'll notice the flyer on his seat. And we are very much hoping the Rabbonim will, in their sermon, talk about it being a new year for them to make the most of this new opportunity for those that are single in the community to reach out and to log on to the We Go Together website or if they're not single men sitting in the community, they can think outside the box of people they know and encourage a father, a nephew, a son, a neighbour, someone they know, a single right. man to respond. I'm looking at the age bracket. So it starts at 30. There's sort of the age that you think men may want to think about settling down. So we've got 30 to 45, 45 to 65, 65 plus. That's a lot of potential people. How are you going to find matches? How are you even going to presumably want to meet a lot of them and find out about them? How will that work? We're a committee of about 14 people, all from different communities, all who've said, we want to help and we want to help match me. They've all offered their time. So each of them are coming from different postcodes and are offering different days of the week, different nights of the week, different locations where they are happy and comfortable to meet a responder to our website and have a cup of tea or coffee in a local coffee shop and go through a profiling interview with them together mm. with these value cards. A value card. So I'm looking now at a bunch of cards, which I thought you were coming in here to play Snap with me or something, but each of these cards has an adjective on them, presumably a descriptor of the type of feeling, type of person who is uh, looking at it or who is being interviewed. And what happens? They will choose those that apply to them? Exactly. Or is it more just to sort of spark off ideas, I'm the type of person who? Actually, it's to do both. During the interview, we want people to feel as comfortable as possible and relax as possible. You get out a pack of cards. It kind of creates this fun, fun atmosphere. But essentially, we want them to describe themselves as best they can and the values that they hold dear to themselves, that they feel that they are that type of person. So creating this opportunity for them to go through this pack of cards, creating three piles in terms of importance, the values are 
pertaining to themselves. So they will create three piles going from the least important values to the medium okay sort of values to the most important values that they hold dear to themselves. Not necessarily what they're looking for in another. No. Do you find people tend to uh, looking for themselves replicated female? No, actually. I just met a young man. He's a doctor. And he said to me that just because I feel that independence is important to me as a core value, it's not what I'm looking for in my future partner. Mm, So it's really important to actually appreciate how this procedure works. And all the committee members will be following exactly the same format. So we will invite the gentleman to go through the pack of cards, identify the most important values. And if one is saying, for example, humour, we will write it down and he will be asked to describe what he means by it. Is he funny? Is she funny? Have they got to spend every night at a comedy club? What does he mean by this? He has a chance to express and explain himself. You create this profile. And then when we've got a number of male profiles of a particular age category, we will invite the single women to have their profiles done. And we will ask them when it comes to values, what values are important to them in their future partner? What are they looking for in their future partner in terms of values? And then... We hope the skill of the committee to come together and to match the values we have got listed from the male profile and the female profile. I mean, that does sound great. My concern or my question is, given that we're in this terribly superficial age and a lot of the kids are very superficial, I mean, I'm sure we all are, what about the fact that they go on J-Swipe and they go on J-Date and they're so busy swiping left, swiping right? It's all about the visual. Obviously, chemistry is important, but are you saying that's not working? Are these websites not working for marriage, maybe just great for hookups? They definitely do for some. I know rabbis that have done J-Swipe, J-Date type weddings. But if it was a panacea for all, I wouldn't be running the We Go Together committee. I wasn't looking for something to do. This was trying to find a way to resolve some of the people that are lonely. There's another direction. It's another, and I hope deeper and more meaningful opportunity for people who sincerely want to find their future partners. Daniela Pears, trustee and interfaith chair of Mitzvah Day, which this year falls on Sunday the 19th of November, speaking to arts editor Kate Fulton there. For more information, then you can always head to our website, jewishviews.co.uk, where you'll find a link to their website, wegotogether.net. And just to let you know, that website goes live after Rosh Hashanah. You're listening to The Jewish Views in association with The Jewish News. In just a moment will be this week's schmooze. Don't forget to tune into the live stream of The Schmooze every Thursday evening from 7pm British Summertime. Obviously not next Thursday evening though because of Rosh Hashanah. And do feel free to comment along as and when the discussion unfolds on our Facebook page. And of course you can always email studio at jewishviews.co.uk or on Twitter. We are at jewishviewsuk. Now, singer Natalie Taylor-Gray is hoping to raise awareness for World Lymphoma Day with her new single, Believe in Me. Community editor Diana Toman has been speaking to Natalie to find out more. Diana. Yes, I have, Phil. I actually have Natalie in the studio with me. Natalie Taylor-Gray. Hello. singer. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, let's go right back to when you were three years old. Okay. Were you always a singer from then onwards? What what inspired you to start singing? Do you know what? I just grew up on music. So my father would play everything from Toto to Prince to Michael Jackson. And I just knew. I just always wanted to perform. I just woke up. I would always be acting, dancing, 
walking around as if I was like this big star when I was three. I just loved it. I just knew and music for me has always been in my body and I just knew from And a really you are age. now a professional singer? Yes. Right. Let's talk about then Believe in Me, which is this new single that you've put out yep. to mark World Lymphoma Day. But tell me what the genesis of that is. How did it start? So it basically started in about... 2011 when my father met Paul at a songwriting Paul course. Who? Paul Johnston. Right. And he met this guy who couldn't stop chatting and he was very eccentric and very musical and he said to me, "Nat, come on up to the studios and meet this guy Paul." So I met this guy Paul and he was amazing man, very inspirational and all about music, music, music. And he said to me and my dad, come to my house, let's listen to some songs. So we went to his house in Buckinghamshire and he played us 10 songs. And there was one... Of his own composition. All of his own composition. And there was one that just completely stood out to me and my dad. And it was Believe In Me. Now, this recording was really rough. It was Paul in his house with his guitar, strumming along. And this chorus in this song was just amazing. So for me and my dad, we were both like, this song is unbelievable. We need to do something with it. From then, we went on to Brighton, where at the time his girlfriend Susie was. And... We sat on his terrace and he said, Nat, come on outside, come on outside. And he brought his acoustic guitar out and he said, let's just sing Believe In Me, let's just have a little go at it, let's see what happens. And to be honest, it was magic, just on an acoustic guitar, strumming away, and it was amazing. And then from then, me and my dad were like, right, we need to do something with this song. Now, after we left Brighton, obviously life takes over and years kind of went past and nothing happened with the song. And then... Unfortunately, Paul got diagnosed with lymphoma cancer and as he was getting more and more ill, he called me maybe a week before, calling me saying how I have to believe in myself, I have to follow my music and he was saying how he used to have crazy orange hair at my age and said, you have to follow your dream. Now, one of his dreams was this song, Believe In Me, and he said to my dad, please make me one promise. When I die, I really, really want this song released. You can recreate it, rewrite the lyrics, rearrange it, and he wanted me to sing it. I understand you have actually sung it live at a charity event already. Tell us a little bit about what the aim of that was. The aim was to raise as much money as we could for Bloodwise, and that was Paul's wish. And it was the first time I had ever sung Believe In Me live, again how it started originally on just an acoustic guitar, and it was absolutely magical. Your father, is he a writer? Yeah, he's an amazing songwriter. He's actually a doctor by profession, but he songwrites, and a lot of my songs that I've written are with my father, and... In my opinion, they're great. So, yeah. (laughs) So, this song, Believe in Me, is now going to be released. Tell us how we can actually get hold of it. When is it going to be released? So, it's officially released on the 15th of September. You can go to iTunes and search for Natalie Taylor Gray and download Believe in Me. And, Natalie, if people want to find out more about you, as indeed I'm sure they will, <laughs> especially after hearing, I hearing so. the song, how do they get in touch? Is it on social media? Yes, that would be brilliant. On Facebook, I have a Facebook page. Just search for Natalie Taylor Gray. 
And then on Instagram again, search for Natalie Taylor Gray. Wonderful. (laughs) Thanks for talking to us. Thank you for having me. Singer Natalie Taylor Gray speaking to Diana Toman there about her latest single, Believe in Me which has been released to raise awareness for World Lymphoma Day. I should point out that if you would like to find out more information about Natalie, then her surname Gray is spelt G-R-A-Y. And also, if you would like a link to find out more about the single itself, then you can head over to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. Now, just ahead of our Jewish schmooze, there's time to tell you about our plans on the Jewish views for the next couple of weeks as we hurtle our way through the high holy days for 5778. We are going to be bringing you from next week the best of the Jewish views 5777. Now, in the week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we will be business as usual. And then after that, we'll have another two weeks of best of 5777 as we look back at some of our favorite interviews and some of our best discussions on the schmooze. So that will be in the weeks of Rosh Hashanah and it'll also be in the weeks of Sukkot and Simchat Torah. You're listening to The Jewish Views and this is The Jewish Schmooze, the part of the show where studio guests join me, Clive Roslin, to discuss matters that you've been hearing throughout the program so far. And joining Tony Honigberg and me today are community volunteer Andy Lucas and a very super newcomer, we welcome trustee of the charity Max's Foundation, Louise Roby. And the subject for this edition is based on our main story and indeed the front page of this week's Jewish news, loneliness and the elderly. As you've been hearing, Jewish Care this week warned that a severe shortage of volunteers is failing elderly and lonely Jewish people in an urgent call for help over Rosh Hashanah. The question is, how aware are we about the needs of the older members of our community, and what do we do to tackle it? Andy, let's start with the fact that you do a lot of volunteering work within the community. Mm -hmm. How much of what you do involves interacting with the older generation? Lots. First of all, I'm involved in the day centre, which takes part... It's part of Jewish care, and it takes place in the in the synagogue, in the community centre, and that runs for four days a week. And we're also looking for volunteers, but suitable volunteers who are able to do things. So I see, I do mine on a Thursday, and I see lots and lots of elderly Jewish ladies and men, and they love coming to us once a week, or some some of them come two, three, four times. You know, it depends on how lonely they are. We have a coach that picks them up and takes them home again, and they love it. It's part of their routine. They get very upset when, as we are at the moment, we've had to close because of the Jewish holidays and cleaning the building ready for services. So for five weeks, we aren't having any day centre. They're missing it, but they can go elsewhere. They'll come here to Amelie House or they'll go to, if they've got a little bit of dementia, they'll go to Leonard Sainer. Or they can do, but that's very expensive. So that becomes what's a Leonard Sainer? Leonard Sainer is a day centre purely for dementia, people with dementia, and they're also in Edgware, and it's an amazing place. 
and that it's it's a much smaller place and it's i think one volunteer or one paid member of staff to i think two or three members i remember my mother used to go on a thursday to edrs yeah center have we always been short of volunteers or is this something new it depends. When you say short of volunteers, it depends on the volunteer because some volunteers are more able than others. But You're talking about the people that come to you, but there are probably thousands. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there are. Who are not being cared for in the way you are doing it. What do you think, Louise? Well, I, I'm just wondering, is, you know, just I've just been in this very experience myself, ironically. It's very bizarre that we're talking about this because I'm living this at the moment. And I, I can tell you that I didn't actually know where to start to even find these things out. And actually, interestingly, I know we're streaming on Facebook, but if it wasn't for some of the groups on Facebook that I'm now connected to, through mothers mm-hmm. and, and families, I wouldn't have actually have known of some of the support that I could reach out to, even for free or to help to fund or to raise money for to go to. And that's been a massive eye-opener, actually, for me. So I, I would say that we don't know enough. So we don't know where to start. So I think until you're in that situation, <coughs> you never find out. No, absolutely. With, with anything, not just the elderly, but with anything. I have a granddaughter who was born with hearing problems and they didn't know what to do but the hospital fortunately put them in touch with the Jewish Deaf Association Mm -hmm. who then started sorting everything out with the Jewish Deaf Association but the National Association for the the Deaf, I can't remember what it's called, she's not severely deaf, she wears hearing aids but it's brought it along forward to, she's just started school at Yavna in the infants and they fitted Bluetooth receivers in her hearing aids so the teacher wears a thing around her neck a microphone and and then talks and she can hear but we're back to the volunteers there's so much out there so I guess there isn't enough people to volunteer and people I think it's awareness though isn't it is it it also about awareness and actually being able to tell people the other thing I think it is generally volunteers used to be people of retirement age would volunteer and people are working longer Longer. so maybe there isn't the amount of people after that sort of retirement age there is another thing as well particularly with Jewish elderly people is that in the olden days the Children, children of the, of the elderly parents would look after mm. them and would care for them and would work out ways of helping them. But nowadays, they don't. And if you sit in Jewish care, for example, during the day, you will see many wonderful people, but they're not any relationship to the, to the people who they who they're help. But I think it goes back to your point, which was, first of all, we all work... Uh, most people now are working a lot more. Both both p- parents are working and childcare in itself is always the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that sandwich age now. And I've spent, you know, just as much time looking after my parents at the moment as I am looking after my children. Mm-hmm. I hold a full-time job and I run the charity. So it, it, it's a really big challenge, I think. And, and just one other thing I'd like to say is I, I was very, very lucky to know my grandparents until they were 98 and 97 and they were married almost 75 years give or take a month or so and the reason why I'm saying this is because I used to park my car 
They lived by Finchley Central Station. Mm-hmm. I used to park my car there, go to work, but I'd go in and help them before I went to work. I would come back from work and I would make sure that they could find their radio station again that they'd lost throughout the day or <laughs> set their video or, or even have some supper with them. But that was life, mm. yes, and, and that's how we were brought up as a family to, to, to do that. And I think it's much harder now because we don't all live around the corner. Well, some other. people live abroad, of course. I, Families move. Right. Yes, yeah, some, yeah. some people have made Aliyah and the parents Absolutely. are still here. Right? And there are lots of other things as well. There's the fact that people are living totally on their own, widows and widowers. Absolutely, yeah. And they're there day in, day out, day in, day out, and never see a soul. Absolutely. And what can be done about you know, that? You know, something well, that, that helped my mother was, uh, strangely enough, was belonging to the shawl. The shawl helped a lot. Yes. Our, our, our own our community, yeah, yeah. which is Edgeware United, yeah. they helped a lot because they would have... I, I think on a Monday she'd go there for something. On a Thursday she'd go she'd to the RS. She'd probably go to so, Jack's and, and, and all those other bits and pieces that went on. And of course, someone there would clubs. say, "Well, you know, you're, you've got nothing to do on a, a Thursday. Why don't you do this yeah. one, and we'll help you and we'll put you in touch." But I, I think things have dropped back from that. Well, that's uh, some happen. of these no, things aren't really. working. I don't. I don't. Well, Edgeware Jacks doesn't exist anymore. So no, you know, but we've got. Lost Jack, that we've sort got. Of no, there is. There, there's Jacks in in EHRS. There's Jacks in Mill Hill, and Jacks at EHRS is really flourishing. Again. Right. But you know, we've also got a welfare department, and what we do up until just now, every before every yontif, three hakim, the three major hakim, we phone our over 85s to make sure that they're okay, to see what we can do, if there's anything we can do to help them. And our welfare officer puts things in place. She's got contacts all over. So if somebody needs to go into a home or needs a carer at a home, she knows who to contact. Mm-hmm. She knows roughly where to get the funding for all of this. But, but let me give you one example, which you see, this is what <coughs> I think about. I know an old lady who's 97. Can I and, until, and when she was 90, you would have thought she was 70. But she's suddenly become an old lady. And she lives on her own. And she goes once a week to St. John's Wood Synagogue where there is a lunch. Mm. But the rest of the time, she just sits there all by herself. And people know about it. The synagogue knows about it. Everybody knows about it. But most of the time, she's by herself. And so it really, is, she needs her befriending. She needs a she befriender. She needs befriending, she exactly. She needs a befriender. And not going out here, there and everywhere, but people coming to see her and just sitting and talking to her. Yeah, yeah. Which we organise from our synagogue. You do? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But if somebody can't get out... Because that was what I was going to say before. I'm involved with the welfare side of things as well. So if somebody can't get out um, and they're housebound, we'll go and visit. Yeah, and we and try. you don't mind which denomination? Well, I was about Judaism. to ask, are they a member of your Would synagogue? Would they have to be a member or, of yeah. your most synagogue? Of because them, if most of them are members, but sometimes we'll, right. get, we'll get the children of, of some who's a member and they ask about the parents and we will then try and do something or we'll point them in the right direction to get some help for the parents. No, I just wonder with, but, a, with this old lady would, who is no, obviously would, not a member of your yeah. shawl and, and well, she was invited to St John's Wood. It also depends John's on where work. they live, whether it's easy to get there. Yeah. 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 So, so so maybe the St John's Wood shawl yeah, should the, have something. Yeah, St John's Wood shawl should be yeah, doing well, something. I, I don't think they do. And that's, that's the point. They I, obviously don't have a welfare department. Oh, I, 
I'm sure they no, do, because most synagogues no. have a this, wealth. No, out, out of curiosity, no, as we're all getting older, I'm just thinking about Clive and myself, and Clive's a fraction <laughs> older than me. Is, it, is this something that's ever worried you, Clive? <laughs> well, n- no, it hasn't worried me, except that uh, I'm aware of the loneliness mm. that people feel. There are times, particularly when you reach my age, most of your friends around you mm. are no longer there. Mm. So you need, sometimes you need someone to talk to about that. I mean, fortunately, you're very active and, and you're, you're out and about and you've got lots of people around you. So. Yes. But it could I, think, be I think there's another interesting perspective, though, that I notice because I have a 90-year-old aunt who has always been extremely vocal, independent and never <laughs> wanted anybody to come near her or invite her for dinner. But she's now 90. And to your point, we've really noticed this year a huge difference in, in her ability. But she won't actually embrace a no. buddy. She won't embrace oh, us gosh. taking her to something no, she's, like she's this. she's independent. Because yes. she's so independent. Yes. But actually, would be wonderful for her. Wonderful for her to do. I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing I think someone has to try once to see how good it is. But yeah. it's a matter go. of getting it's them getting there. It's getting them there, yes, that first them opportunity. There. Because they're yes. so anti. I don't want to mix with those people. Oh, no. God, they're I don't. all old. They're all old, yes, yes, exactly. They're all old. Why would I want to yeah. go and mix at a day centre? And, and if you've been independent all your life, it must be very hard Extremely, to suddenly think, yeah. I've got to rely on someone. Well, I think it's that giving in, isn't yes. it? That sort of yeah, like, I, stiff up. I can't and, Why bear would the I need of it, you? Why would I need yes. you? <laughs> I once knew a most wonderful man who died at the age of ninety-nine. He drove. He bought a new car when he was ninety-seven. Oh my God! And he went everywhere. He played bridge. He did everything. He. It was quite frightening going with him in his car. But apart <laughs> oh, from that, exactly. he was the most extraordinary man. But he was a great exception, I imagine. I, I mean, would no, imagine so. There are yes. not many people like no. that. No. And in fact, he was he died three months before his 100th birthday. And he was busy sending out invitations to his birthday party to numbers of people. Good for him. So he still had a, 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 a nucleus of close friends. Yes, he did. But he, that's because he realised that uh, the majority of his people of his age had and his friends had gone including yeah. his wife so he made new ones so he made new ones mm. of, of a much younger mm. age and he played bridge and he did everything but i suppose he's an exception really i think you're right yeah, yeah. i don't know because we've we've had people at our day center over 100 we've celebrated 100 101 102 birthdays wow yeah it's it's amazing wow. you should come down and see yeah, absolutely it's brilliant it is really brilliant I i'm sorry know. i'm plugging I, w- it. I want to know how they blew the candles out <laughs> well, that's, it that's didn't set off the fire alarms. That's a nice way in which to end this discussion. Thank you all very much indeed. My thanks to our guests, community volunteer Andy Lucas and trustee of Max's Foundation, Louise Roby. Please do feel free to share your Jewish views with us. You can email studio at jewishviews.co.uk or you can contact us via social media. Find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash the Jewish Views or on Twitter, we are at Jewish Views UK. Well, it's time now for our rabbinic thought for the week. And this time it comes from Rabbi Michael Evan David from Edgeware Masorti Synagogue. With Parashat Nitzavim, we're getting closer to the end of the Torah, and we read in it several warnings and calls from Moshe to keep the mitzvot and come back in Teshuvah. 
in repentance, making the parasha very suitable to be read just before Rosh Hashanah. The words of Moshe are meant for all the people of Israel, and our sages taught that even if each of us has defects and flaws, together we are stronger and we complement each other. That's a nice idea for our community in the wake of the new year. Moshe's call, however, it is also beyond time and place. We read in the Torah, And not only with you I make this covenant and this promise, but also with those that are here standing today before God, and those that are not standing here today. The words, those that are not standing here today, were explained by different commentators. Some, like the Midrash, said that these are the souls of all the Jews that will ever live that were present at that moment. Others claim that these are the people that, for whatever reason, were not able to be there and hear the words of Moshe. Still others, and this is my personal favorite, said that those not standing with us today are the people that can't or won't be with us today. Those that left the community or Judaism for different reasons, education, personal problems, loss of faith, despair, etc. Our call is for them as well. Brothers and sisters, we haven't forgotten you. The doors of the community and Jewish tradition will be always open for you. Come back because we miss you and we're willing to extend a hand to you if you're willing to take it. The sages compare this to a mirror. Sometimes the reflections look farther than they really are, but as we get closer to the mirror, our reflections get closer as well. The more we return to each other, the more we return to God, the closest we will see each other. The more we return to ourselves, the closest we will feel to our inner being, to our true self. The high holiday season is about return. It's about being true and honest, about repairing mistakes and changing for the best. Not an easy task, but an extremely important and rewarding one. I wish all of you Shana Tova, a very good year. Ah, oh, the wise words of Rabbi Michal Evan David from Edgware Mazorti Synagogue with our thought for the week. Thank you very much indeed to him. And thank you very much to all of our other guests as well, as that's all the Jewish fears we have time for. Thank you goes to Lisa Wimborne, the Head of External Affairs at Jewish Care, talking about loneliness within the community and how we can go about helping that. To Daniela Pears from the Pears Foundation telling us about We Go Together. Also to Natalie Taylor Gray saying why her latest single Believe in Me is designed to raise awareness for World Lymphoma Day. Don't forget, for information on all of our guests, go to jewishviews.co.uk, where you will find links to various websites. Thank you also goes to our other contributors, and we mustn't forget the team, including our producers, Tony Honickberg and Sue Greenberg. You can always listen to the most recent edition of The Jewish Views by visiting our website, jewishviews.co.uk, where you'll also find the facility to listen again to all previous episodes as well. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News and is part recorded at the studios of Jewish Care in London. 
From me, Phil Dave, and the whole Jewish Views team, we wish you and your loved ones, Leshana Tova, a very happy and healthy 5778. Do join us next time here on The Jewish Views. Goodbye.